welcome to the Kaiser Report, the first episode of 2020. Uh, Stacy Herbert and I are going to uh, have some really special guests right with us right now, Dr. Michael Hudson. Dr. Michael Hudson, welcome. Good to be here. Yeah, I was just curious. I had this crazy image uh, a moment ago. It, you know, back in the 70s, 1970s, there was a movie called Death Wish with Charles Bronson. Do you remember that? I remember that. And there was a sequel and a sequel to that. Right. Now, thinking, you know, we could do a remake. You are the star. You play the Charles Bronson role, and it's called Debt Wish. <laughs> and you're a vigilante banker economist that goes around New York blowing away bad debt. What do you think? I love it. Oh, okay. I we'll set it. that up. You think you're ready to do that in 2020? Uh, I would be a very good secretary of the Treasury. That's exactly what I would do. Oh, okay, really? fantastic. I'm not sure that's what we were talking Throwing about. Throwing my head into the ring. <laughs> Actually, we have elections coming up here in this year, 2020. You're, of course, part of our epic new series, Front Running. So if you were made Treasury Secretary in 2020, what would you do this year, 2020? So I guess you would come into office 2021 in January 2021. What would be the first thing you did to fix this economy? Well, I'd have to sit down with the Attorney General and uh, say, uh, we're really going to apply the law. And of course, if you applied the law, uh, a lot of bankers would uh, find themselves uh, in jail. Yeah, apply uh, the law, debt wish. Right. You're the Charles right. Bronson of economists. Right. I'd begin to unwind the quantitative easing, uh, let the interest rates uh, uh, rise again, and uh, that would leave uh, a lot of banks uh, uh, pretty naked, and uh, we would have some wonderful public banks. Uh, Citibank would be a public bank, and uh, uh, Chase. And, uh, right, let interest rates rise. Others. And uh, public banks w uh, wouldn't make lo loans for the stock market and speculation and for corporate takeovers. We'd uh, make loans to actually spend into the economy, and I would oversee a, a rebuilding of America's infrastructure. Two questions. I'm reading some Northern European economists I forget which either, it's a Finland or Sweden, but there's a school of thought that believes in a natural rate for the in or of interest, which is roughly four and a half to five percent. Do you believe that there is a natural rate of interest? There has never been a natural rate of interest. All rates of interest for the last 5,000 years have been administered rate. Any rate is an administered but rate. But is there so a sweet spot for rates that they would hew toward if left alone and not interfered with by central banks? If you believe in circular reasoning, you believe in a natural rate of interest, uh, but it's all circular reasoning and the idea that somehow without government intervention, if an economy could work without a gov government, somehow the private sector uh, would uh, equalize everything. But uh, that's never happened in history. Right. So this is all uh, neoliberal uh, Austrian school fantasy. You now you've reached your, your, your foe in this remaking of Death Wish. Uh, you're the vigilante and I'm the Austrian economist. We meet in 42nd Street. And do you blow me away with your 45 Magnum debt equalizer, or do we have a discussion about this? Well, I say uh, there's a basic principle of debt that a debt is only valid if uh, you make if the debtor can repay it. But if a, a lender makes a loan without any idea of how the debtor can repay it, then the loan is considered a fraudulent loan. So uh, I would uh, define uh, fraud and uh, begin of a large uh, debt write-down. Uh, also, as Secretary of the Treasury, I would be in charge of tax policy. And uh, I'd uh, low, minimize uh, housing prices. I'd roll them back down by basically taxing the capital gains of land. 
So they're land value gains. If you, uh, if you would tax uh, the speculative gains in land, the unearned income, not the building, but the land, you'd, you'd, uh, nobody could borrow uh, from the banks to inflate housing prices. So I'd end the asset price inflation of real estate. I'd end the asset price inflation of uh, corporations uh, and uh, uh, basically uh, restructure the economy in a, a way that it could afford to handle good debts, and I'd get rid of the bad, okay. the bad loans. Most people actually out there watching now would believe, because of propaganda pushed on cable news and by politicians, that if you did your first order of business as U.S. Treasury Secretary of arresting bankers and charging them for their crimes, that it would crash the economy. And the reason why they think that would happen is because they believe, I think you'll probably say falsely, that bankers lend to businesses and help entrepreneurs and help the startup economy. But what they perhaps don't realize is that up to, what, 85% of all bank lending is actually property speculation. That's right. But, uh, it, it's the bankers that have already crashed the economy since 2008. That's why the economy has not grown in uh, 12 years, because uh, the banks have uh, uh, been bailed out, not uh, the real economy. So uh, I would put the real economy first, Main Street, not Wall Street. Uh, that's simple. And uh, applying the law, all you would crash would be to roll back the immense amount of uh, capital gains, stock market and bond market gains, that have been made in the, in the last 12 years without uh, the bankers doing anything at all. It's all been created by the government. You understand how banks work. You understand how the Fed works, how the Treasury works. Is it possible for a policy to be enacted that selectively raises only the margin rate? That is the rate that speculators use to borrow to speculate with. In other words, you wouldn't change the discount rate, you wouldn't change the prime rate. You're only raising the margin rate, which would apply to speculators. Can you selectively just raise that rate as a way to taper speculation? This proposal's been made for the last 60 years. Since I was in school, it was being made. Of course, you can have differential rates and differential reserve requirements. You, you want to minimize unproductive lending. You want to minimize takeover lending, speculative lending, derivatives gambles. Is uh, this what a magic you want to bullet? encourage is consumer you know, lending to the real economy, to real investment. But as Stacy just said, that's not what banks do. The, what the textbooks say happens is not at all what banks do and certainly not what I experienced when I was in banks. When, when Leon Cooperman, a hedge fund manager, or Warren Buffett, they go on CNBC and they literally cry, their tears flowing every time it's suggested that they start to obey the law or they start to get rid of their speculative excesses that are undermining the economy. Shouldn't the repost to that from the Democrats or whomever be raise the margin rate, okay? Just raise the cost of what your spec. It's in other words, if you're at the casino and the casino is going bankrupt, the casino don't willfully go bankrupt. These gamblers are willfully bankrupting America. The casino has the good sense of raising the win ratio on the slot machines. They don't willfully go out of business. Can't we raise the win rate on the speculators by raising just the margin rate? Of Even course. 5% or 10%. Very good idea. I'm all for it. Every market is uh, structured and managed. Every economy is a planned economy. The question is, who's going to do it? Well, right now, instead of the government planning the economy, you have Wall Street planning the economy, and that's more centralized than government planning. That's what people don't realize. 
lives. When did you get your PhD in economics? 1968 or 67. Okay. So 68, of course, that's when we began the process of going off the gold standard, essentially, as we were uh, sending too much gold overseas, financing this war in Vietnam and our trade deficit with France, UK, whatever. But the fact is, I want to ask you, like, how radical compared to the rest of economic history that you had learned was that 1971 moment of having all just global fiat? There had always been some sort of gold standard and, or some sort of more solid universal standard. Like right now, it feels like only the USA exclusively knows how much they're printing, what they have, how much they're going to pay back, what sort of what the quality of the debt is. How radical was that moment, and what have been the consequences? Well, it was radical in the sense that no country had ever uh, said they would go to war over the, what kind of international financial system we would have. But once the United States went off gold, uh, it threatened uh, Saudi Arabia, for instance, uh, that it, uh, we would go to war if Saudi Arabia didn't recycle all of its oil revenues back to the United States. Uh, and I, I went to the White House uh, uh, and I uh, had a discussion about that. And it was radical in the sense that nobody knew that uh, going off gold would uh, enable America to have an entirely new kind of imperialism without go paying in gold when he ran a balance of payments deficit, which was a military deficit. Uh, there's nothing that we could give other countries but government IOUs. And it was radical because the larger the balance of payments deficit we ran, the more these dollars went into foreign central banks, and they would use it to buy treasury bonds to fund the domestic budget deficit. All right, here's another question. Look, here's a $20 bill, right? Every, every bill, there's billions and billions that are printed, has a serial number. Yes. Why can't these serial numbers be published so the public can see exactly where they're all going? In other words, <laughs> you're going to fly a, uh, uh, you know, pallets of billions into Iraq, unaccountable, completely no oversight, for reasons we have no idea. That's, that's unacceptable. Uh, okay, if you want fiat money, you don't want gold. You just want paper money backed by a nonsense. Okay, that's what you want to do. But we should be able to see that number. At least with Bitcoin, I know exactly where every transaction is at every single moment of every single day for the rest of eternity. But why can't we publish that number so we can see where they're sending these dollars? Well, you have a pretty good idea from the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Bulletin publishing uh, the uh, currency denominations. And uh, by far the largest uh, mass of currency are $100 bills held outside of the United States. Right. So uh, the $100 bills are the uh, medium of choice for Latin American drug dealers and uh, CIA dirty tricks operations for uh, Al-Qaeda. Uh, Let me ask you this. You've been around a long time. How come the CIA is so bad at coups these days? The CIA used to do coups in Latin America all the time, and they were pretty good at it. These days, they don't seem to be able to even stage a coup anymore. They screwed up in Venezuela. They can't even do a stage in America. They can't even do a coup in America, their own turf. They've been trying to do a coup against Trump now for a few years. They failed. How come they're so bad at coups, the CIA. Well, you had Hillary doing a coup in uh, Honduras. Uh, that was the last uh, major coup they've had. You've had uh, the CIA help coordinate a coup in Brazil uh, to put the elected president in jail. Uh, and uh, uh, How many times did there. they try with Fidel Castro? <laughs> right. I think they tried to kill him 128 times, well, something like that. You have to realize that the CIA grew out of sort of the OSS called Oso Social. Uh, the CIA is run by... Uh, <laughs> very rich, rich little kids that are playing a game. 
And uh, it's very hard to have spoiled rich kids uh, try to run the world when they uh, really have not uh, had to work in it or uh, right. ever get by it's by the themselves. the Episcopalians. Those are my peeps. We run the CIA. That's our power base. <laughs> you can right. have everything else. So you're going to be uh, Treasury Secretary of the United States of America, perhaps by 2021. Next year, this time, you could be getting ready for office. But uh, what of the candidates that we've had, even over the last, like, two years, many of them dropped out, like, who would you want to serve under? Which, which candidate had the best policies by... Well, obviously, Bernie, and he'd probably put uh, uh, my former uh, department chairman, Stephanie uh, Kelton, as head of the Federal Reserve, and so we'd work uh, uh, just fine together like uh, we did at uh, UMKC. Modern monetary theory, which is a whole topic unto itself, fascinating stuff, but we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll pick it up from there. All right, don't go away. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. First show of the new year. Welcome to 2020. Here's an update on the Debt Wish project, the remake of Death Wish with Dr. Michael Hudson playing the role of Charles Bronson. During the break, I contacted Abel Ferrara. He was the director of such classics as The Bad Lieutenant. He's agreed to come on. He's now attached to the project. I've also agreed to appear in the film. It should be out sometime in early 2021. Stacy. Well, I've, I've enjoyed spending the first few minutes of 2020 with Dr. Michael Hudson, but I really had an idea here that, you know, your Treasury Secretary coming up next year, which means, of course, that the hashtag to elect you somehow got through the filters in Silicon Valley. And it made me think of California, which is the largest economy in the United States, is where any of the... I guess innovation happens. A lot of uh, crime innovation happens here in New York. But out in California, what is wrong with that state? It's like the most liberal, the most so-called progressive, social justice warriors. They love to um, like think of ideas to control the rest of the world of how they should live. And yet when you look at that economy, which is the biggest in the U.S., it's a disaster zone. You have mass homelessness. Their infrastructure is collapsing. They have, like, half the state incarcerated for life for stealing pizzas. So, like, what would you do? What is wrong with uh, California? Are you the biggest state in your economy you control right now? What would you do to fix it? California's problems stem basically from Proposition 13, which was passed almost half a century ago to say uh, we will not raise taxes on any uh, property owned by anybody here. We'll only raise taxes once they sell. So uh, uh, taxes remain all very minimal on uh, masses of property there. The pretense was that this was to help homeowners stay uh, in their homes uh, uh, and not be forced out as they reached retirement age with the uh, house inflation going up and the tax inflation going up. The reality was this was all propaganda by the large commercial real estate interests. So commercial real estate, obviously the same corporations have owned them for the last 50 years, and the commercial real estate doesn't have to pay a tax. Well, almost uh, all states and municipalities in the United States have uh, based their local spending uh, on 
the real estate tax. That's how America has functioned for 200 years. But uh, California doesn't have that tax. So the Californians have voted. Uh, if you look at revealed, what economists call revealed preference, what do they prefer? Californians want to be poor. They want to be homeless. This is their democratic choice. Uh, they want uh, the uh, real estate people to run the state. Uh, they want the rich people to be to be untaxed, and only the uh, employees uh, pay the tax. Uh, they don't want free education. They voted against that. They want a very expensive education so that they have to go out of state. They think that uh, that will encourage the children to have another experience in the more civilized uh, part of the country. So California has uh, really voted for suicide. Uh, and it's because largely of, of the real estate and Proposition 13, the enormous uh, amount of uh, propaganda that went into electing Ronald Reagan, uh, who basically wanted to make wealth the old-fashioned way, to take the public sector and give it to uh, uh, the campaign contributors uh, uh, to loot. So California's been looted uh, steadily. It's like uh, the gold rush uh, all over again has been the result of neoliberal policies in California. What you're describing there is uh, cognitive dissonance, right? People yeah. don't associate Prop 13 with the fact that they have no money to supply adequate infrastructure and to combat homelessness and provide basic services. Where in economics does one... A factor in cognitive dissonance. In other words, in the last 10 or 15 years, we've had the growth of behavioral economics. And this is an attempt to somehow quantify and monetize our mass behavior and to understand how that impacts the economy and then to enact policies to mitigate that risk. Is that, do you follow that school at all? Do you have any thoughts on that? Is it something that needs to be put more aggressively into the policy mix in a state like California? Well, the role of economic education is to create positive dissonance. Uh, it, is, uh, to, to, it really should be taught in the literature department as part of science fiction because it uh, teaches about a parallel universe of how a universe would run if uh, Austrians of the 19th century had designed it or if Milton Friedman and the Chicago School designed an economy without a government, without regulation, without crime, where everybody behaved uh, rationally in a way to create uh, wealth. Of course, this is what the Romans believed uh, in their legal system, and we all know how that ended well, up. Well, let me give you another example. Age. Cognitive dissonance is baked into the cake. Uh, you know, you have this disassociation, the Prop 13, I don't understand why there's so many homeless people here. Well, their government is bankrupt. And, but um, what about, you know, here's L.A., I mean, the, the movie industry wouldn't exist and the technology industry wouldn't exist without government, you know, without taxes. None of those billionaires would exist, but they don't, they, once they acquire the wealth, they become, they have what we used to call on Wall Street a God complex. But the nevertheless... called it pleonexia, wealth addiction. We were just in Detroit, and in Detroit, a wealthy company in, in the lending business plunked down billions bought 100 buildings in downtown Detroit and completely fixed it up. And there's not homeless people on the street. Uh, and they've made it into a model city because one company, one corporation thought, you know what, we, we actually want to do something for our community. They're from that area. They, they plowed it back into the community. How come Detroit is not held up as a model for other cities to follow. In other words, get the corporations to clean up their own backyard. Trump is right when he criticizes Nancy Pelosi. and says, you're here in Washington, 
harassing me. You should be back in San Francisco cleaning up the fecal matter from the streets. Well, if most of the wealth in the United States is uh, from real estate, uh, it doesn't sound like uh, Detroit is uh, uh, a way to make uh, easy uh, billionaires who make uh, rents in their sleep, uh, as they do in uh, California. So uh, this is exactly what uh, California's been fighting against ever since uh, the 1930s, uh, when there was the great presidential uh, uh, governor campaign with uh, Upton Sinclair. Uh, who ran uh, for governor on uh, basically a, uh, a, a real estate ticket. He was a follower of Henry George, uh, yes. and he realized that uh, the precondition for a governor being governor of California was not understanding how the economy worked. Author of The Jungle, Upton yes. Sinclair, yes. who wow. came up with the phrase, you never trust a guy whose salary depends on him being lying, <laughs> I paraphrase. He, he was like the Jimmy McMillan of the age. The, the rent is too dang high yes. party. Los Angeles basically exists and is so wealthy, the Hollywood industry, thanks to the U.S. State Department enforcing intellectual property law around the world and forcing other nations to respect perpetual copyright. Uh, Silicon Valley, San Francisco has similar, but Silicon Valley also has the added benefit of massive amounts of DARPA money. The Department of Defense pours money in there for them to develop technology for the military weaponry. And in fact, in the 2020 budget, that was significantly increased as we pivot towards more cyber war, AI war, and outer space war. We're in 2020, the election. You're, you're not yet Treasury Secretary. But, but wait, remember what happened right after World War II in Los Angeles? Uh, General Motors and the car companies yes. bought up the public transportation system and close them down yes. so everybody would have to have cars and move out to the suburbs. So it was, a, it was uh, created. It was a planned economy, planned by the oil companies, by the banks, and by the real estate interests. And you should think of uh, California as being centrally planned by uh, the military-industrial complex, the real estate interest, and uh, the intellectual property rights interest at Walt Disney. And, uh, yeah, Walt money. Disney, of course. Let, let's ask about this uh, you know, global insurrection of banker occupation that we talk about here. In the, there's uh, uprisings in Chile, Lebanon, all over the world against corruption, basically against neoliberal policy. So it's like Reagan and Thatcher was introduced to that era in the early 80s. Is that is it now come to the end of that era? Are we at the end of the Reagan-Thatcher neoliberal era that was started in the early 80s? I would love to believe that, and that's what uh, I'm trying to bring about, and that's what your show's trying to bring about. We're trying to uh, get over the cognitive dissonance and pierce the uh, the shell of uh, the pretense that a free market is not a free market for criminals, not a free market for fraud, uh, not the kind of free market that Alan Greenspan believed in until suddenly he uh, woke up much to a surprise, and said, ah, well, good heavens, there's gambling going on here. That's yeah, amazing. He had that uh, foxhole conversion. Yeah. He's seeing the mess he's created. But isn't, uh, aside from the outright criminality and fraud, there it is essentially neoliberalism has worked for a large part of the population, I would say the boomers. It, essentially, we've had a pyramid scheme, and it's mostly based on property, but they were first in. So... Yes. Isn't it naturally going to end, even if it's not outright fraud, by the new population of younger people who are like, dudes, like, I have to, uh, like, I, I can't live, like, right? Like, I can't afford education, health, anything, property, nothing. 
Well, what you describe as happening to the young people in America is what's happening to young people in Greece. They emigrate. But Americans don't have anywhere to emigrate to because they don't speak foreign languages. They don't speak, but they're not allowed to because you can't because of the new laws whereby banks overseas won't open any bank accounts for U.S. citizens. Otherwise, the owners of the banks and the executives of the bank face like 30 years that, in prison here. Right. So, so you would agree with Stacey, though, that this pyramid scheme needs new suckers. And we're out of the new suckers. This, the millennials and Gen Z don't have enough even to get on the pyramid scheme That's ladder. Right. That's right. And they can't emigrate, you're saying. That's right. It's so a they're just going to stay here and do what? Stay. Rise up. Rise yeah. up. It's There's no other solution. But how do you do that if uh, you only have uh, two parties that are, are the same party mm. with the same donor class? Uh, there has to be a political uh, revolution in order to have an economic revolution here. How are you going to have that? Uh, that's what uh, really we're talking about and what I guess uh, your shows throughout uh, 2020 are going to be about. Economists, Moody's, Yale University, economics department, they all said that economic data suggests that, in fact, Trump is going to win again based on the data. I don't have the data, but I can see that Trump's going to win again because the, uh, the, the, the Democratic Party have a problem. Who can they nominate that is so weak that he's guaranteed to lose to Trump because the Democratic candidate really is Trump. He's uh, uh, their policy, and the advantage of having uh, Trump in is that uh, not only does he follow the Democratic neoliberal policy, but the Democrats can say, that's not us. So they can uh, uh, say it's uh, not, not our homicide of the economy. Right, well, Clinton and Tony Blair in the UK invented the third way uh, to leave left-wing policies to be in the middle or centrists. But we've learned that actually centrism is right-wing. Uh, uh, to be a centrist means you don't change the system. You don't change the dynamic. And if the economy is polarizing, and every economy polarizes between debtors and creditors, a senator mean a, a centrist position means uh, you you let the cre the creditors control the economy and impoverish uh, the debtors. And uh, that's basically the policy of both parties. So uh, I would anticipate the next four years are going to be another uh, four years of uh, uh, pro Wall Street. Uh, Trump policy because that's what the Democrat the Democrats are throwing the election. It's like throwing a fight uh, because uh, they've made their bets on the other side. Well, you know, a lot of people like to quote Ben Franklin as being, "Oh, what kind of government do you have? Oh, a republic if you can keep it." I like to think of Ben Franklin's famous quote: "A penny saved is a penny earned." But that's not how you uh, make savings these days. You don't earn your money. I'm cutting you off right there. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for being on this special Happy New Year show, Dr. Michael Hudson. And Thank that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report, Episode 1, 2020. Until next time, bye, y'all.